My name is Carolyn Goodwin, and I am a musician uh, originally from Ireland, and I've been living in Copenhagen for the last seven years or so. I play a lot of improvised music, and I compose also. And one of the groups that I have recently released music with is an ensemble that I set up called Copenhagen Clarinet Choir, because I am myself a clarinetist. to play without sheet music. It's important for me to write something that can be embodied quickly. So in that sense, I'm always kind of aware of whatever I'm writing on the page that I want it to be easy to memorize. Almost like the story of the music and how it kind of evolves is more a conversation we have together before, you know, say, hey, maybe it could evolve in this way or that way. Or sometimes even no conversation, but just the way the music is structured, that it kind of evolves almost like an agreed manner that we can find the similar language in order to develop the music. If I think about some different compositions I've written, a lot of the time I'm writing simple ideas that you move through, that you spend time in one space. And then once you've explored all elements of that space, you can move to the next one. track Organism, which is the title track of Copenhagen Clarinet Choir's album, is zones that we kind of move through and sometimes the zones can layer on top of each other before one emerges. So there's always a sense of an overlap and that creates something new each time for us as players to explore and be present with, that it doesn't become predictable. Music was something that was always in my family growing up, mainly because of my father. He is a musician, really. I mean, he also worked throughout his life as an engineer, but since he's retired, he's kind of devoted all of his life to music. And when I was a kid, we went on long car trips where he would have made his own mixtapes. 
Also, my dad loves to sing. He's been singing constantly my whole life. He also sings in choirs these days. Me and my sisters used to always laugh, actually, that when we uh, went to hear my dad sing in the choir, we could hear him, like, over everybody else. We were like, hey, did you hear dad? And we were like, yeah, definitely, I could hear him the loudest, you know, because he's got a very strong voice and he's a very strong presence in our family. He also actually uh, plays the tuba. That's kind of how I ended up starting with music, actually. There was a band in my town, and my dad started playing tuba, I started playing clarinet, and my brother started playing euphonium. So we used to, like, pack into the car on a Wednesday evening and Sunday morning before church, where we would uh, go to the local school and, like, meet with adults and young people from my area. And we would play music for hours and go on trips together, playing competitions and singing our parts on the bus journey home and, yeah, things like that. So there is a real sense of community around playing music when I was growing up. Honestly, me and my friends would just like to go so we could hang out after rehearsal and go listen to Nirvana in some grunge bars, <laughs> you know. But uh, it was a really nice excuse to kind of get to have a lot of freedom, actually, when I was a teenager, because my parents really felt like... <laughs> My friends who played music, they were going to be respectable. I don't know why they thought that. <laughs> so we had a lot of fun uh, partying after concerts and things like that. I first started playing improvised music, actually, quite late in life. Didn't really start improvising, like, fully until I was in my mid-twenties. I moved from Cork to Dublin. And while I was there, I was playing, like, a lot of contemporary music, actually, because I had studied classical saxophone and I was playing newly written works that were commissioned, say, for a saxophone and other instruments. But I ended up, I was playing a concert at a day-long festival with a jazz group that kind of had a lot of folk music influences that I played clarinet and saxophone with. And at that festival, there was another band playing called Clang Sane, which was with a singer and guitarist. She's a composer called Laura Highland. And I just remember hearing that music and thinking, this is the kind of music I want to play. And I spoke to Laura Highland afterwards and she said to me, oh, we should play together sometime. So I kind of had it in my mind that, okay, she's going to show up with her guitar and we're going to play some songs. And then when she arrived at my apartment, her hands were hanging and I was kind of like, oh, welcome where's your guitar? And she was like, oh yeah, I was coming from work, so I didn't bring it. I was just going to use my voice. And in my mind, I was really thinking, who's going to play the chords? I mean, really, this was kind of like a bit of a world changer for me, because I think I actually had been in a somewhat contained music environment up until then. So I ended up joining that band, actually, after that day, she asked me to come. And I've been playing with that band ever since. And I think it's been a big formative part of my musicianship now. 
Laura writes compositions that are in some ways very specific and strong frames. But she never really wants to play the song the same way twice. Or at least if she does, she wants to kind of get to that point where it feels very organic and improvised always. So her kind of process of working on those compositions was to just play them over and over and over again. And in the beginning, I was kind of like, I don't understand, you know, because part of me was a bit like, what should I play then? Why are we doing it again? Did you like what I played last time? Should I stick with that? And every time Laura would be like, yeah, I like that. Maybe you could do something different the next time. And I was just like, wow, this is really hard. I don't know what this composer wants. And then after a while, I started to realize that it was just about kind of being in the moment and really being present in the music, letting it kind of unfold in its own way each time. And that's something that I would say has influenced me now as a composer because I do tend to write specific things, but I want it to always feel like it can breathe and kind of evolve in its own good time every time. Copenhagen Clarinet Choir. In a way, it came out of a context where we, who are now in the Clarinet Choir, were invited to play with the composer Jakob Andersko. He had a larger ensemble. So we had done a concert with that group and I really love to play together with other wind players, maybe also because of my upbringing, being in this wind band with my family and my friends. You kind of synchronize your breath and you're very present together when it's just all wind. You listen to your breath more. But I had been in contexts where, like, there are a lot of saxophone players. And I, you know, saxophone's an amazing instrument. It can really do incredible things. But in some ways, it kind of, like, pushes itself forward to the front. And when you have a lot of saxophones together, it very quickly starts to push everything towards the front, if that's, like, the best way of describing it visually. But um, I somehow loved being able to blend almost in the background with the clarinet. And maybe, again, that was just from my childhood. I wasn't very good when I started playing clarinet. I wasn't, like, particularly talented at it. And in the wind band, there's, like, first, second and third clarinets. Third clarinets were, like, the worst players. (laughs) And I was in third clarinets for, like, a really long time. You know, I was just, like, not really getting any better. The third clarinets always play in the lower register of the clarinet. And it's a very beautiful and warm, resonant register. It's one of the things that I think the clarinet trumps the saxophone for, in that sense that you can play deep, very softly. 
And there's all these overtones that happen with the clarinet as well. When you're like many people playing the same deep note together at the same time, you start to hear kind of sympathetic overtones in the room. So that was kind of my vision for the group. The first piece I wrote for the group, I was just imagining that. Almost like an organ as well, if we weren't just playing the same note, but we were playing notes kind of close together, that it would be very thick sound. And then I had this idea that you're kind of writing for these specific instruments. It's not like a jazz ensemble where we're kind of spreading out the roles. So we're not one person's playing more the bass register. We all have the same register. And in some ways that just made me really think about writing for this group in a way that we were like a choir because it's very democratic in a way. You're very egalitarian. Your voices blend, you know, and so you can never really tell one voice in the front. And there's something about that when you play together in that way, then you can kind of follow each other a lot. And that's something that I also felt like I missed when I was in improvised music ensembles with a lot of wind players is when you're playing improvised music, sometimes the idea is that you're always responding to something or contrasting and, and quite often not really kind of joining each other. And I missed that from my early days of playing with others. It's almost like a hark back to Dixieland jazz, where it was very much about repetition and playing at the same time and everything kind of being mixed together. One piece that I made called Flocking, it's quite a strong metaphor when you use something from nature and it happens so much across different art forms. But I think the reason why it's so effective is because nature has a certain poetry to it that we're all kind of privy to or we're all almost silently agreed upon. Explaining something from the natural world is a really nice way of coming to a feeling. I was reading about the different phases of a bird from when it's born and it has to discover its own voice. So it starts off with this sound quality called a whisper song. So the opening part of flocking is a whisper song where all of the birds are learning to find their voice together. And then it slowly gets stronger. And then in the second movement of that piece, the birds are older and more aggressive. So it's like a very kind of frenetic conversation between them. And then for the third movement, there's an imagery of the birds very suddenly taking to the air together, like in a black cloud, and then spreading out across the sky. There's a moment in the music where that happens in a sonic sense, but for me it's very visual that we create that cloud together and then the cloud kind of spreads out and suddenly creates a very beautiful picture and that's the birds in flight and those lovely patterns that they make in the sky.
that helps that piece become what it became because quite often I'm just writing 10 bars of music or something like really, really short. I really like the idea of music in general being embodied. I think maybe it's also because I spent many years playing classical music and I started to realize that I felt most free when music became embodied. Almost like an action or a gesture that's easily repeatable in the same way that you would do a gesture as a ballerina or a dancer. That musical phrases can also be something with movement. And when you think about movement, that's when you can kind of connect with your own body. That's another area that I'm pretty interested in is music and the body, because I think you can kind of create a safe space when you play, especially when you're improvising music. And I think that's something that I try to do in my compositions as well, is to try and create a safe space for me. I love to improvise, but I also like to have a strong frame to improvise from. It kind of gives me a sense of grounding. I enjoy the safety that I get from making compositions and creating a space within to create sound. Your body is something that has a memory, and in that sense, music is something that has to resonate somewhere. And when you play music, you're embodying a sound sound is kind of abstract, right? It's something we can't see, but somehow it can be felt in the body. I'm kind of interested in how I can feel that when I'm playing. And I think as a wind player, that's already a very strong physical sensation to use your breath to kind of shape sound. It's almost like choosing which paintbrush you're going to use. You kind of use the breath to determine the length of a phrase or a volume or quality of the sound. Like So it is a physical thing. Sometimes we forget that. And I'm interested in finding ways of reinforcing that when I play. I've started to think about how to create that space as well physically, because when you talk about the body, you always have to situate it somewhere. And in performance, the presence of the body, how you stand and how you hold yourself is a big part of it. Because, you know, it is not our comfort zone sometimes as musicians to talk about the body. The body is kind of a tool for what we're doing. And I understand that as well. You want your body to be healthy and something that facilitates what you're doing. But I kind of find safety in connecting with spaces and even acoustics of spaces. That's something that will inspire you to maybe move slower or play in a certain way that you put some silence after it and you compose or play in such a way that kind of responds to the building. In a sense, that's also kind of embodiment. There's a piece on the album called Hive Mind. I suppose the most composed piece in a way, even though we play it by heart and it's slightly different every time, but it's a piece that I was really thinking about how things move together in a swarm. I almost feel like it's kind of like landing points. 
It's how we kind of navigate our way from one landing point to another. <laughs> In the same way that if you're watching a fly, you know those kind of nasty black flies that nobody really wants in their house? Their kind of movement patterns are really sharp or kind of angular. Then that's maybe in a way how we learned the music as a group was like, okay, we land here, we land there. And now it's mostly a conversation about how we think it could be interesting to travel around. And of course, this piece, it's very much about traveling around the instrument too. There's a lot of chromatic movement in it small steps so everything's almost glided over a bit so you kind of have that similar feeling in your fingers actually when you're playing those kind of figures so I really like to play with movement even on a smaller scale. I definitely think that's the most irritating piece that I've written. Everything else on the album is uh, mostly quite soothing but this one's a little bit more dramatic. We can talk about movement in relation to the whole body, but for example, just for me as playing a wind instrument, there's movements that are channeled into my fingers. And that's something that I kind of try to do with this music as well for the clarinet choir is to sit with the instrument and kind of write things that feel really easy to move around in under the fingers. So in that sense, you can be more free in the kind of execution of it. Some composers will consult with people who play certain instruments if they're writing for them. But it definitely helps when you know the instrument pretty intimately. And then you can also find new ways. There's a piece on the album called Water Piece. And that's very much about coming up with a way of touching and contact with the instrument that I found was like a lot of fun. For me, it's kind of like a fluttering of the fingers. Somehow there's this visual imagery as well. Sometimes when you make something on an instrument that's called a trill, where you like go from one note to another, like a kind of a flicking sensation in the body. So I kind of like to find things as well that feel good to do, that I actually kind of want to do a lot. And I think with Waterpiece, a lot of the figures that are in that piece are things that I found nice to play under my fingers.
The biggest thing that playing improvised music does is it changes the way you listen. You kind of include so much more nuance to sound, especially when you're working with different textures and exploring extremes of an instrument and finding sounds that you haven't maybe tried to play before. So you're kind of in this zone of exploration a lot. It's a creative space to be in where you say yes to everything. That sense of being open to changing direction or changing course at any given moment. That you just know that nothing will face you. No matter what anybody plays, you'll have something to play. You can respond to it. It's very immediate. In that sense, it is a language, but a very, very broad language. 